When you lose your flow, there's only one thing that can get it back. You've got to build the altar back. You've got to go back to the altar because the height of the altar determines the strength and the current of the flow. When I first came to uh, Tennessee, I left a very large church, thousands of people, my wife and I did, to follow God's plan. He sent me here to build a school. I've been prophesying this for 10 years. I just thought I would build it in St. Louis where I was pastoring. Everybody knew I was going to build a school. They they just thought it would be there. I talk about it all the time. I knew I had to train ministers, and you had to build a school, and you had to build this Bible college. It was in me for a long time, but I was pastoring a large church, and I just knew I had to do it. Well, I thought that I'd, well, I knew that I'd heard from God. God gave me a plan when I got here. That wasn't the plan. That was the way to get me here, and I get that now. I understand that now, but in the moment, I didn't understand it. I thought, okay, God, you tricked me. Sneaky Jesus, the same one you're talking about. Sneaky Jesus, he's, he, as they would say in the South, he snuck up on me. I don't even know if that's a real word. But anyway, he's, he sneaked up on me and said, okay, I got you here, but I can't let you do it yet because I have to do something else in you before you're ready. And that's the part I didn't understand. I didn't know that God had to break me and mold me and remake me. I didn't know that God had to. T- See, if you were God, how would you make a pastor? How, how would you make a pastor? It's just just not that easy. If you needed a prophet, how would you make a prophet? I mean, just tell me that. How would you make a prophet? You, you, just, you just go to school, take a class one day. That's not how you make a prophet. Prophets are made on anvils and hammers and fires. That's how they're, see, 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 there's a difference in people that get to be vessels and people that have to be weapons. There's a big difference. If you are a vessel, you get you get spun around on the on the potter's wheel and you get, you know, it looks bad because life is spinning out of control and then you get thrown the fire and you think, ah, no God, I can't believe it. Oh, thank God that's over. That's a vessel. And you get a testimony. You write a book about it. You write a song about it. You go on tour. That's a vessel. That's not, that is not a weapon. A weapon gets the daylight speed out of it, thrown into the fire, then you get in just enough cool water to make you think it's over, and then he does it again. Oh, thank you, God. Boom, boom. No, no, God, I can't take it anymore. God, this is too bad. This is too hard. Oh, God, I'm never going to survive this. Okay, back in the water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I think I'll be okay now. Oh, no, you're not through yet. Back on the hammer, back on. I mean, sharper, sharper, sharper. Beat, 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 beat. Fire, 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 fire. And the Lord said, listen. I don't want ISO to just be any school. I want it to be, I want to make you into a weapon. And you got to go through something before I can make you into a weapon. And so when I came here, the Lord said, I'm going to let your ship wreck just a little bit. Not not enough to kill you, but I'm going to let the plans that you thought you had, I'm going to let them fail just enough to I can get you in my will. And I'll tell you, my redhead will tell you, man, when it happened, it was not nice. It was not pleasant around my house. I mean, I was, I was, I was moping. I was confused. I thought God had failed me. I know you've never felt that way before, but I thought I'd miss God and I thought I'd ruined my life and I thought I'd ruined my family and my kids' life. I, I thought faith was never going to love me again because I've just, I've messed her up and pulled her from our home and now our kids were separated from our kids and I felt like I did all of that. I didn't, I, and I felt like I did it because I thought I heard from God and I got so desperate that I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I just got so desperate. 
And I told Faith, I said, I have to do something. I have to go back to where I got called to preach and build an altar. And I went back. There's a place they call it Brian's Mountain. It's up in Cosby, Tennessee. And I, and I, I drove up there. I, took, I put her in the car. I said, you stay here. I don't know how long I'm going to be. I might be there all day long. And I took the Bible, the first Bible I ever preached a sermon out of, and I wrapped that Bible in, 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 in a plastic and I wrapped it and duct taped it in plastic and I carried that and I squalled. I want to be honest with you, I wasn't big and brave and full of faith. I cried like a baby on every step. I didn't even know if I could make it to the top. I mean, I just, I took a step and I'd bawl and I took another step and I'd bawl and I was angry and I was confused and I was frustrated and I didn't understand what had happened and it, I didn't, I felt, I felt like God had failed me and I walked to the top of that mountain and I dug a hole and I was going to bury that Bible. I dug a hole and I said, I laid that Bible and I stood on top of it. I've never stood on the Bible before until then. And I said, I did not call myself to preach. You did. I didn't ask me to do this. You did. Where are you? Why are you silent? Why aren't you talking to me? Where are you? Did I miss you? Did I ruin my life? And I buried that Bible and I built an altar. The height of your anointing is determined by the height of your altar. I built me an altar, and I walked off of that mountain with little stones in my hand. And I have an altar in my backyard. It's not very big, but it's stones from that mountain, my memorial stones, 12 of them, just like they did when they crossed the, 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 the Jordan River. And I brought back 12 memorial stones. And I didn't, I didn't hear God say anything, no leaves shook on the trees, and no angels showed up. And I just walked by faith, and I walked off that mountain. And I was scheduled to preach a conference about two weeks later. And I was so, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was so beat up, I didn't even want to go preach it, but I needed to, <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know, and so I just thought, okay, I need to do this. It's scheduled. I just need to do it. But, Lord, I'm so empty. I don't have anything in me. I preached the first night, and it was hard, but God saw me through it, and I preached the second night, and the anointing was stronger, but, but even after that, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. And when that service was over, when that service was over, there was a man that came in the back door of that building, and he said, um, I need to talk to the man who preached in this building tonight. And he said, uh, I, I wasn't in the service. He said, I'm from California. I'm a businessman. I'm from California. And I was driving uh, through here, and I saw these lights up, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, go tell this man this word who spoke in this building tonight. He didn't even know there was a worship service going on. And the man sought me out. I'd never heard him. I put it on my phone. I still have it, and I actually have it translated. I gave it to some of my staff just this week. I said, I want you to read the full prophecy of what this guy gave me. This total stranger, I don't know if he was real or an angel, I have no idea, but this is what he said to me. He said, God said that he's called you to build a school. Well, he had my attention. But you're not going to build it the way you thought you were going to build it. This is not going to be brick and mortar. He said, this is going to be built with media, and it's going to be built. I mean, we were just reading this, this a few days ago. It's going to be built with media and outlines. He was describing an online Bible school, but I didn't even understand what he was talking. He said, you're not going to have to do this by yourself because the Lord is sending angels. And he said, the purpose of this school is to be an armory for a younger generation. He said, you are going to be, you're going to stockpile the shields 
and the belts and the, the spears. You are building the weaponry for a younger generation that's going to need that. You're not even doing it for yourself. You're going to do that. And then he says this at the end. He said, and it's not going to be built the way you thought because, because the plans that you had failed because you're going to build this with a stone. And then he said it again. He said, you're going to build it with a stone. And then he said it three times. You're going to build it with a stone. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I had no idea. I mean, I know I, I didn't know how if I was going to build a stone house. I have no idea until this man of God called me and said, I know why God sent you here because the Holy Ghost just told me to build a school. And he said that you need to do it. And I don't understand. He said, I want you to just go build this school and I'm going to help you in the foundation. God said, you're going to build it with a stone. And now the Lord just told me last week when the last stone is put on, I'm not just building it with a stone. I'm building it with a ramp. And that when I finish building it with a ramp, I'm going to stand up and see on the ramparts and I'm going to see God do something in my day that I would not have believed it though they told me. And even though everybody else, all they can see is the Chaldeans coming. God help you. If all you've got your, if you've got your head up to here in conspiracy theories and you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket, God help you. And I feel sorry for you because the kingdom is exploding and you don't even know it. You have no idea. You got your, you're up to your eyeballs in the Chaldeans and you don't even know the Chaldeans are not the major players here. God raises up. God puts down. God is on the throne. God is moving. Revival is coming. It's not up to the White House or your house. Revival is coming. Hallelujah. 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 I just want to say thank you to all of our ministry partners who help us take the gospel around the world and train pastors and leaders around the world. Uh, because of you, we have been able to do so much for the kingdom and expand the kingdom of God. Uh, I was able to train over 5,000 church planters just in the country of India alone. We've worked all through Africa as well as Europe. Uh, every year I go to Romania and train pastors and we've trained hundreds of pastors there in, in Romania. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from programs, certificate programs, just in Central America. Uh, our teams and our, the young men and women that I've taken on the field with me, numerous uh, young ministers who I just want to give them experience and, and uh, help them to get their feet wet in ministry. We have gone around the world spreading the gospel, and none of this is possible without you. I just want to say thank you for your continued support, whether it's a one-time donation of any size or whether it is a, a monthly donation that you've decided to partner with us uh, monthly. I just want to say thank you for that. And for those of you that are looking for ways to give to this ministry, because it is a good seed to sow in, and we're doing things around the world, here's a screen that would tell you some easy ways that you can give to this ministry. But once again, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart and from all of those lives that you are changing. It is my honor to be your ambassador to the world. When you lose your flow, you have to build an altar. That's the only way you can get it back. Your flow will never be higher than your altar. Your altar determines what God can do in you. All right, here's the next thing. 
He says, I'm also going to send you a man to help you. Go to that verse, if you will, guys. When God assigns you to a new season, he assigns new people to you that you've never met. And some of those people are assigned for one reason, to take you deeper. Now, if you're just looking for encouragement, people patting you on the back and telling you how good you are, then you don't even listen to the rest of my sermon. You can go home now because you're never going to make it. If you've if you're, if you got a big chip on your shoulder, if you've got thin skin and you can't even take instructions, you're just never going to make it. You might as well just go ahead and give it up because you're not going to get in this flow. You might, get, you might still dance and you might still praise, but you're not going to get in this flow. Not what God's talking about. Because the Lord is saying here, I'm going to send you a man. And lo- notice this. Don't make the mistake of thinking this man is an angel. And don't make the mistake of thinking this man is Jesus. It's not. Look it up. It's just a man. The Lord said a man is going to show you how to go deeper. I'm going to put someone in your life who's been deeper than you've ever been. And they're going to pull you in. I'm going to put people in your life who are deep teachers and deep thinkers and deep people of faith. And if you can tolerate them, because sometimes they get a little weird, if you can tolerate them, they will show you where the deep water is and you won't have to splash yourself to death anymore trying to get wet. You won't have to worry yourself to death trying to work up something that's already there. I'm going to show you how to get into the deep things of God and the deep flow of God. I'm going to send you a man or sometimes it's a woman. Sometimes it's a Karen Wheaton. Sometimes it's a Perry Stone. Sometimes it's some other great man or woman that God puts in your life to take you to deep places you've never been. He said, this person is going to measure out something for you. Now, here, here's the interesting thing about this, and I'm going to hit this real fast because I know Perry's taught on this, and I've taught on this, and many people have taught on this. If you haven't heard it, it's, it's astounding, but if you have heard it, I'm just going to skip over it a little bit quickly. So they measure out a 1,000 each time they measure a 1,000 cubits. Now, if you're reading the uh, New Living Translation, it's going to say 1,750 feet because it gives you the feet. But in the cubits, it's actually, it's actually 1,000 cubits, okay? So he says he measures out 1,000, and then it's up to his ankles, and then he measures out another 1,000. So go to the screen that's got all the years on there. If you guys will find that one for me back there. Just go to the screen of the years. Here we go. This is basically the years of man. The first 1,000 years was the time of Adam and Eve, the dinosaurs, the giants. The, from 1,000 to 2,000 was the time of Noah. 2,000 to 3,000, the time of Abraham. From 3,000 to 4,000, the time of David. 4,000 to 5,000, the time of Jesus and the early church. 5,000 to 6,000, the time of the church and the last days. And then finally, we end up at the millennial reign of Christ. So since Adam, these are the 6,000 years of man. And every time he measures, he goes into one of these eras. So the first thing he tells you is that he said he went and he measured a 1,000 years. So you got to start to where it begins after the flood. And when he measured a 1,000 years, it comes up to his ankle. So here's what I want you to see. So when you get into ankle-deep water, this takes you into, into an era of time where the Spirit was moving through Abraham. But Abraham was walking. Abraham's assignment was to walk the land. And this is where you start your walk of faith. So when you come into the Spirit, when you get saved, you start walking with Christ. But if you stop there, and a lot of people do, if you stop there, then you're going to have to splash a lot to get wet. I'm telling you, you can get wet there, but just walking by faith is not God's ultimate plan. Somebody say there's more. 
And so then he said, the man took me into a deeper water. And then when he got to the deeper water, again, he measured 1,000 and brought me up to my knees. Now go to the screen where it's up to his knees now. Now when you get up to your knees, it takes you from the time of Abraham to the time of David. And David is the first person in the Bible to introduce worship to us. And the number one word used in the Old Testament for worship was on your knees. The number one word. It's used more than any, as a matter of fact, three-fourths of all the words used for worship is like this. This is what worship looked like. So he's telling you that you're moving from walking to worship. So let's stop here. Some people haven't got there yet. Some people still haven't moved from walking to worship. Worship is still uncomfortable for them. Worship is still entertaining for them. So in order for you to go deeper, the first step, the big, the first giant step is you have to move from walking to worship, where you are bringing God a gift when you come into his presence. Not just enjoying his presence, that's beautiful, but you're bringing a gift. You're offering something to God. I love it when these kids around here dance like David danced because I know what that means and I used to do that and maybe one day I will again, but right now I'm just, I'm sticking with the hop. It's working for me. So you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I can hop as long as you can dance. I promise you that. But I'm just sticking with the hop for now. But I, but I can tell you that when they dance like David danced. I know what that is. That's unabandoned. They just, they just move with everything inside of them, bringing this un, an inhibited gift to God. So now you have to move from walking into worship. But then he tells you that now you're going to move from worship into something deeper. So he goes now into waist-deep water, okay? So let's go to the waist-deep water. When you get to the waist-deep water, you have now moved to the time of John the Baptist. You've now moved from David David's time to Jesus' time, and John the Baptist is baptizing you in water. That's why you're in waist-deep water. But here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus said in Mark 1 and 8, he said, I indeed, or John said this, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he who comes after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So you need to understand this, that this is now a time that I've moved from walking with God to worshiping. And the worship is, that's the reason, guys, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's the reason that when people are preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what they always tell you to do? Come up and worship. That's how they give the altar call. Just come up and worship because worship leads into the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So you, walk, you go from walking to worshiping, to being filled with the Holy Ghost, and that seems to be a good place for some people to stop. That seems to be a good, well, I'm full of the Holy Ghost now. Man, I can dance in church, and I haven't won anybody to Christ in two years, but I'm not worried about that. And all my neighbors are going to hell, but that doesn't seem to bother me. I sleep just fine. But you know what? When I go to church on Tuesday night, and I can hide out in the holy huddle, and nobody really knows I carry a Bible because it's in the dash of my car, and, and I, no, nobody in my office really knows I'm a Christian because I still listen to the jokes, and, and, I, and I don't say anything, but no one really knows it. My neighbors really don't know that I'm a man or a woman of faith. They really don't know that about me. I just, but man, I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I can go and I can get wet and I can dunk myself and I can just jump around in the holy huddle and feel so good. And that seems to be enough for some people. But how many of you know there's more? God 
is needing somebody to do a miracle through. God is needing somebody to heal the sick through. God is needing somebody to preach a sermon through. God is needing somebody to counsel the brokenhearted with. God is needing somebody who will get out of the church and into the flow to a point that it wrecks you and changes you and ruins you and you can never go back to being who you used to be. So he leads them into the final level, the swim level. So go to that place. Now we're in the swim level. Now remember the flow flows out. So I don't even get into this level unless I'm willing to walk out of the church. I can't even get into this level in the building. I love to swim in the building. I love to sing about swimming in the river in the building, but that's not the swim level. You got to get outside to swim. You cannot swim inside. You have to get this. You cannot swim inside. The river is flowing out. When you leave, it's walking. Then it's knee deep. Then it's waist deep. You got to keep moving with God before you ever get into the place where God says, now out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is in John 7. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the spirit. You know, I, I love this passage because the, the King James interprets the word or translates the word belly. The new King James, which is the one I'm using tonight, translates the word heart. But you know what the Greek word is there? It's neither heart nor belly. It's actually womb. It's an empty place. It's where a woman would carry a child. It is a womb. Out of your womb will flow rivers of living water. God says that when you get into the deep level, it is a place of birthing something. It is a place where I'm going to give you revelation you did not have. I'm going to give you instructions you've never had. It's a place where you're going to, you're not going to worship like anybody else. You're going to find a uniqueness in your own worship. And I'm telling you, when people speak in tongues and they worship. I love uniqueness. And sometimes it's like, man, where do they learn that? The truth is they didn't learn it. It just came out of their belly. They birthed it. And God is looking for people to birth ministries through, to birth missionaries through, to birth songs through, to birth schools through, to birth sermons through, to birth communities through. God is looking for somebody that will get so deep in the Holy Ghost that something now is birthed out of them. And he doesn't just say a river. He said rivers of living water. Why did he use the plural term here? Because he says wherever the river goes, notice this. He says that the river, now out of you is going to flow more than one river. But then he says wherever the river goes, he said it goes down. Go to verse 8. If you guys can find that on the screen, go to verse 8. Then he said, this water flows toward the eastern region and it goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches it, its waters are healed. God says, wherever this river goes, people will start getting healed. Wherever this river goes, miracles will start happening. Whenever this river goes, my wife and I have told you this story before. We were sitting on a plane in first class. Delta had been nice to us and bumped us up to first class. And we were sitting there, and there was a man sitting next to us. 
He did not know us from anybody else, but he looks at my redhead and I, and he says, listen, the Holy Spirit just told me to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you? That man had never laid eyes on us. I tell you, I was so impressed. I just wanted to see what he had. I said, sure, man, go ahead, lay it on us. He did not know that we were spirit-filled. He was spirit-filled, but here's a man that's in a flow. Here's a man that is naturally supernatural. Here's a person that does not need a comfort zone to be spiritual in. Here's a person that does not need to get in the holy huddle when everybody else is doing it, and it's just fine. Here's a person. I was walking through the Atlanta airport one time, and I was walking trying to catch a trying to catch a, a car, or I was going out the south end of the terminal, and I was trying to catch a shuttle out the south end of the terminal, and when I walked through the door, right there in the doors, but going out of the airport, I heard this guy witnessing, and all I said was, amen, brother, go for it, just like that. And he said, are you a Christian? He said, yeah. He said, then he's all yours because I'm late for my flight. And just like that, he passed it over to me. And I'm standing in the corridor. I'm leaving. He's coming in. And he passed this to me. And I said, well, how far did he get? And he told me. And I said, okay, then let's pick up right there. And I picked up right there. And that man knelt right there in the, in the, in the airport and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Because somebody said, I'm not just getting in the flow in church. I want to live in the flow. I want to hear God speak. And I want to do the work of God in the kingdom around us. We were in we were in El Salvador one time and we were out in the middle of the uh, out in the middle of an area there and we had run out of sand and if you've ever done missions work in El Salvador you there's no lows there's no there's nothing you dig your sand out of the riverbank and then you have to dry it and you have to separate the coarse sand from the dry sand it takes days to get a load of sand and so we were building a church there and um, in the middle of in the middle of this we ran out of sand there was nowhere to get any sand and the team really started getting discouraged and we had tried all day long to get sand and I had a, my armor bearer who was with me, David Haynes. If you've ever heard me preach, you've heard me talk about Elder Haynes. Elder Haynes grabbed my hand. He said, listen, God didn't send me this way to see my pastor get stressed out like this. And he, he told everybody to join hands. And I'm telling you, as, as sure as there's a God in heaven, I promise you, I'm not adding one word to this. This is not exaggeration. This is not evangelistically speaking. This is the way it actually happened. David Haynes gathered us in a circle, and we prayed a prayer. And he said, dear God in heaven, you are the God who owns the rain. You're the God who owns the sand. Now I command that sand comes forth, that we can. you sent us here to build this church, and we're going to build this church, and we're going to finish what you sent us here to do. Amen. The minute he said amen and we opened our eyes, there was a dump truck, drove up. He said, listen, guys, i got a dump truck load of sand here. Does anybody need any extra sand? We're trying to get rid of it. I'm telling you guys, we didn't wait two minutes. We didn't wait five minutes. We didn't even wait 30 seconds. When he said amen, the tandem truck pulled up. I don't know if they were angels or not, but we dumped the sand out. We gave them money, and we built the church to the glory of God because somebody said, there's more to this than singing songs. There's there's more to this than preaching sermons. There's more to this than altar calls. I want to get in the real river. I want to get in the flow. I was way up in the mountains one time in Honduras. And I was preaching to the, the, the people who had 
that live way out there. I've probably done more than 50 missions trips, and I've done some hard ones, man. I've done those where you have to sleep in, in hammocks under mosquito nets for days. And, I mean, I've done all kinds of those kind of things like that in, in, in the past. And the Lord used us to build a lot of things. We've graduated over 3,000 pastors from just schools in the jungle. I mean, that's, it's incredible. Some of the places we've been and some of the things that, I've, that we've done in ministry. And I was way out in the middle of Honduras. There was no hospitals out there. And there was this lady that had this big tumor that looked like a basketball under her dress. She had a dress on. And this lady, she was La Mosquita Indian lady, and she could not speak any English. And she had this great big, great big basketball there. And we had a team there that was basically, we were taking in humanitarian relief. We were preaching the gospel and training pastors, but we were also giving out food and clothes in the jungle. We were hiking the trails and giving out food and clothes. So all of us had about 70 pounds of, of, of goods on our back, and we were hiking through there doing this. And so this particular place, it was a few people on my team, and we go up to this lady, and she comes out there, and she's so pitiful, and she's in such pain. And right out there, there is no praise team. I can't ride anybody's wave into God's presence. You know, that's what we do on the praise team. They pray for it. They get up. They get full of glory, and then we ride right on in on their wave. I, I didn't have anybody's wave to ride. I didn't have any. I didn't have anything that anybody else had paid for. It was just me. I was hot. I was tired. And, and I saw this lady there with this big tumor, and I wanted to pray for her. And quite honestly, I didn't know if I had enough faith. And there was a member of my team that said, Pastor, why don't we just pray for this lady for God to heal her? I mean, we're in the middle of the jungle. We don't have a preacher. Well, we have a preacher, obviously. I was there. But we, we, don't, have, we don't have a church. We don't have an altar call. We don't have, a, we don't have the prayer team. And this person just laid their hands right there on this lady's tumor and said, in the name of Jesus, I command it to go. And I'm telling you, with every ounce of truth in me, that lady's tumor shrunk like a balloon got deflated. It just, I saw it right in front of my eyes. My wife was with me when they brought a blind man into my office one time in the Holy Spirit, and it scared her and it scared me what I did. He brought a man into my office. There was no church. Church hadn't started yet. It was before service, and the man was blind. He had gone blind from glaucoma, and the Holy Spirit told me, and I was just young and stupid enough to do it. I mean, when he told me, I just did it. I didn't even question it. I didn't, I didn't think, well, will this not work? I just did it. The Lord said, I want you to pour a whole bottle of oil on this blind man's head. And so I just did it. I just poured my hands full of oil. And then the minute I released it, I thought, oh my goodness, what if nothing happens? I've just ruined his clothes. I've just embarrassed him from his family. That's when I thought about it. I mean, after I did it, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and nothing happened. And then I'm really sweating it because, I mean, I could have just put a little dab right here and been fine. But no, I had to ruin his clothes. And I poured a whole bottle on this man's head. And he starts wiping this olive oil out of his, out of his eyes. And Faith was right there in the office when this happened and all of a sudden there was only about four of us in there all of a sudden he screamed out I can see I can see and as he rubbed the oil away God healed his blindness and that man had his eyesight till the day he died because God healed his blindness when somebody just said okay sometimes you got to do crazy faith to get crazy crazy miracles but I'm willing to do it God is wanting somebody that wants more than a song God's wanting somebody that wants more than a dance. God's wanting somebody that wants more than a sermon. We don't even get in the flow till we walk out of the house. It's flowing to the right. It's full of power. It's flowing to the east. It's already waiting on us. It's in front of us and it's flowing down from the altar. Just build the altar till the flow starts going because when you get 
get into this flow, people start getting healed. When you get into this flow, people's lives get restored. When you get into this flow, the valleys start changing. The multitude of fish comes in. Go to the final screen that shows the multitude. You know why you need to do this? Not because you need another fix. You need to do it for them. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you. These are college kids that are waiting on you. These are neighborhoods that are waiting on you. These are high schools that are waiting on you. They're waiting on you. You don't need to do it for you. You need to do it for them. Wherever the river goes, somebody gets healed. Wherever the river goes, somebody gets restored. Wherever the river goes, something changes. I want as many people in this room that says, I want to get in the river of God. I want you to stand all over the house right now. I want the musicians to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.